welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. I hope before this day is over that you realize just who Jesus is in your life. Because sometimes I believe that people have heard that all their life and they've committed their life to Christ and they talk about Jesus, but they don't realize just who he is in their own life. Now, I want to read the same verses I read last week, only I'm going to focus on verse 13, Philippians chapter 4, where Paul said in verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly now that at last... Your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care but lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, who strengthens me. Little boy came to a small grocery store. He asked the clerk, can you tell me where the Tide detergent is? The clerk took him back there to the detergents. He picked it up, and he said, son, what are you going to do with this? He said, I'm going to wash my dog. (laughs) The clerk said, that's probably a little strong for you to wash your dog. You need to be real careful. Now, that's what I want. That's what he said. So they checked out, and as he was leaving, the clerk once again said, son, you need to be really careful with that because that detergent could kill your dog if you're not careful. About a week later, the boy came back in. The clerk said, well, tell me about your dog. Did you get him clean? He said, no, I'm afraid he's dead. <laughs> the clerk said, I tried to warn you that that detergent was too strong for him. And the little boy said, well, I don't really think it was the tide. I think it was the spin cycle that got him. (laughs) You ever felt like you've been in the spin cycle? Somebody stuffed you in the washing machine and turned the spin cycle on. If there was anybody that could feel that way, it was Paul. Sitting in a prison writing a thank you note to the Philippians, probably feeling like he'd been through a spin cycle. And yet, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Maybe years ago, I can remember seeing some of the repair shops that had sign on it that said, we fix everything or anything. And then you would take something in there and they'd say, sorry, we can't fix that. It's sort of a pretentious claim to say, we can fix everything. Well, some people look at this verse similarly. And it's interesting, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When earlier in Philippians, in chapter 3, verse 13, he says, I count myself not to have apprehended. And then in chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, he says, I don't have any confidence in the flesh. He writes to the Romans in Romans 12, 3, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. And then in Romans 7, 18, he says, in me dwells no good thing. And yet he writes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
A lot of you have the app on your phone or your iPad or whatever your device is. That U version or U verse or U version app of the Bible. And it's got all the different translations and a lot of those things. Every year there are tens of millions of verses that are shared back and forth with people from that app. And the number one verse is Philippians 4.13 that's shared with other people. It's the most popular verse in that app, and yet because it's so popular, it could easily be one of the most misunderstood, misinterpreted, and misapplied verses in all the Bible. What does this verse really mean? Well, first, we look at the scope of the Christian's approach. I can do all things. And the reason this verse is so popular at first glance is because it's the perfect verse to name it and claim it. Now listen to me. Even today, there are a lot of popular preachers, pastors, that will tell you, you can do anything you want to do through Christ who strengthens you. For example, I'll quote one pastor of the largest evangelical church, mega church in America, happens to be in Houston. I'll not call his name, but he's got a big smile. I'm going to quote him, Philippians 4.13, in his own edition of today's Word devotional. Most people, quote, most people tend to magnify their limitations. They focus on their shortcomings. But Scripture makes it plain all things are possible to those who believe. That's right. It's possible to see your dreams fulfilled. It's possible to overcome that obstacle. It's possible to climb to new heights. It's possible to embrace your destiny. You may not know how it will all take place. You may not have a plan, but you can, you all can, all you have to know is what, if God said it, you can, you can. Brian Yawn, who's a pastor of Tennessee, writes that the true meaning of all things might disappoint a lot of people. The actual point is even more glorious than the way people normally interpret it. You see, it gets so much closer to grace. We normally take it to mean something like, I can do anything I set my mind to if I simply believe. That is, I can achieve any personal goal by faith, get this job, win this game, ace this test, but the verse has little or nothing to do with our personal achievement in the face of severe odds. It's not about our achievement at all. It's about Christ's achievement and a constant dependence on Him, regardless of the stations of life that we might be in, whether good or bad. He goes on to point out the danger of wrongly applying this, especially in the situation that doesn't guarantee it's going to come out favorably. What if you can't do it? And what if things don't work out? No matter how much you believe, your failure might call into question the goodness of God or the availability or the sufficiency of Christ. It robs countless hurting and weak people of the truth because we're told in the Scripture that there's power in weakness through Jesus Christ. You see, I can fail to achieve maybe a goal that I set and still trust the Savior's love for me. 
I, I can have cancer. I can lose everything. I can be fired. I can do all of this because Jesus still infuses strength in me and because he doesn't leave me. It doesn't mean that everything I do is going to become perfect or I can achieve something that would be impossible. You see, the all things he has in view here doesn't mean anything that you dream up. It means whatever God asks you to do and whatever you go through, that God is there. Seminary professor Dr. Ben Witherington calls Philippians 4.13 the Superman verse. Because it's sometimes referenced by athletes in high-stakes games. You'll see it. You'll see it. And, and this verse appears on keychains and coffee mugs, and people have it tattooed on them. And you see it all places. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But did you know that the word to do is actually not in the actual Greek writing. The verb ishuo means to be able, to be strong, to be healthy, valid, powerful. That's the only verb in this verse, and you have to fill in the helping verb. And so Paul is talking about, no matter what's been going on in my life, I can endure, I can have the strength I'm needed, needing to handle the situation I'm in because of Christ who strengthens me. He's not suggesting that you and I could accomplish anything we want to do. We just need the Lord's help. It's about Paul submitting to God's plans and God's will for his life and God giving him the strength to do what he needs to do. You see, you can't just dream up something and say, I can do it. Even though we're told today, oh, you do, you know, this is America. You, the American dream is you can have anything you want, you can do anything you do, and then you focus, and I can do it all through Christ who strengthens me. Kind of reminds me of two drunks, two guys who've been drinking way too much. We're up on a high floor of a multi story hotel. One of them got so drunk, he just jumped out the window to his death. Police came, they asked this other man who was well inebriated said, why did he jump out the window? He said, he thought he, could fly out the, he thought he could fly around the building. The policeman said, why didn't you stop him? He said, I thought he could too. <laughs> you can think up anything you want, but it doesn't mean you can do it just because you claim, I have Christ's strength. Michelle Baldwin in Brooklyn, <laughs> she writes these words. She said, one afternoon, my five-year-old daughter, Faith, and her preschool brother, Alfred, were doing homework, whatever a five-year-old and a three-year-old could do. Alfred had the habit of saying phrases like, I can't, or I don't know how. And this particular afternoon, Faith responded with a Bible verse that she had learned that day in her preschool, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, as Alfred said, then you do it. <laughs> Think of the examples in the Scripture. Genesis 17 and Genesis 21, I'll loosely paraphrase this. God appears to Moses in the burning bush, tells him, I am that I am. And he says, Moses, I want you to go to Egypt. You're going to deliver my people from Egyptian bondage. And Moses, being the good Baptist that he was, <laughs> said, I can't do that. <laughs> 
I, I, uh, I don't speak so good. He wasn't a Baptist, by the way. You know I'm being facetious. He said, I don't speak so good. I, I don't know the, the way I don't have the authority. And God said, wait a minute, Moses, you missed the point. It's not you doing it. It's me doing it through you. Or think about when the Joshua was going to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. And he said, the first city you're going to come to is Jericho. It belongs to me, Joshua. That's what God is saying. It belongs to me. Here's how you're going to take it. I know you've got an army. I know you're a commander. But you're going to walk around Jericho once a day for six days. And on the seventh day, you're going around it seven times. And on the seventh time, you're going to blow the trumpet and the walls are going to fall down. And you're going to take the city. Can you imagine if that had been a Baptist group? <laughs> oh, my word. About the third day, they're going to say, our leader's lost his mind. We need a new one. Let's form a committee. Let's get a new one. <laughs> no, no, God said, you're going to do it my way. And it happened just like he said. Now, in chapter 4 of Philippians, look what the Lord, through Paul, has told us we need to do. In verse 1, he says you're going to stand firm. In verse 2 and 3, you need to mend broken relationships. In verses 4, you need to rejoice always. In verse 5, be gentle and thoughtful. In verse 6, overcome your worry and your anxiety. In verse 8, think worthy thoughts. In verse 9, act like a Christian. And in verses 10 through 12, be content. How in the world are you going to do all of that? Through Christ who strengthens me. You see, it's not just positive thinking. A lot of people have positive thinking, and, and I'm not opposed to positive thinking, but it only takes you so far, like the man who's running down the dock on the river and runs to the end of the dock and jumps out there as far as he can. He lands about 10 feet out in the water, and he swims back to shore and runs down that dock, and he just keeps doing it over and over. And finally, an observer says, man, what are you doing? He said, well, I have a friend who bet me a million dollars to one that I can't jump across a river. And after thinking of those odds, I just had to try. Well, that's positive thinking, but that doesn't mean you can do it. There are some things you can't do. You want me to prove it? You cannot dribble a football. You can't. You can't get bubble gum out of your hair. You can't barbecue pancakes. You can't lift a bald-headed man by his hair. You can't slam a revolving door. You can't twirl a baton in a mobile home. I made this one up. If you're in Lubbock, you can't like the Longhorns and be right with God. Especially, especially since they're playing Tuesday night, right? I know there's some Longhorn fans in here. We're still praying for you. But, but God has never accomplished anything through folks who say, I can't. Paul said, I can do this. I can live this way through Christ, which leads me to the source of the Christian's attitude. Paul doesn't say, I can't. Because that would be pessimism. I mean, he doesn't say, I can, which is the language of presumptions. He says, I can through Christ. That's the key. You can't do this through religion. You can't do this on your own. Herbert Jackson was a missionary. 
at one time, and he said that as a new missionary, he was assigned a car that would not start without a push. When he got to the place he was serving, it, you couldn't get the car started unless you pushed it. And the, for those of you who don't know, there was a time when you had a clutch, and you would pop the clutch, and it would start. For those of you who've had one of those, we've all done that, haven't we? Especially when the battery was dead. Well, he came up with the idea, I'll get some of the kids from the school to help push my car. I'll get it started, and then I'll just park on a hill, or I will leave it running. And that's what he did for two years. And then his health became a problem, and they had to leave, and a new missionary came to that station. And when Jackson, Herbert Jackson, was explaining his arrangement for getting his car started, the new man started looking under the hood. And before the explanation was complete, the new missionary said, Dr. Jackson, I believe the only trouble is this loose cable. And he tightened the cable and got in the car and hit the ignition and it started. For two years, he'd been pushing that car to get it started. The power was there all the time. What I want you to see in your life, the power is there all the time. Jesus gives us the power to face life's adversity. He gives us the ability and the power to cope. He gives us the power to enjoy contentment regardless of our circumstances. He gives us the power to face anything that comes our way. You say, I can't witness to someone. God says you can. I, I can't forgive so-and-so. God says you can I can't get over what I did. God says you can. I can't get involved. God says you can. I can't tithe or give. God says you can. I just don't have the time. God says you do. I can't read the Bible and understand it. God says you can. I can't get along with so-and-so. God says you can. In John 15, 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, you're the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.13, it is God which works in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. I like what Henry Blackaby said, when you believe that nothing significant can happen through you, you have said more about your belief in God than you have said about yourself. Folks, let me ask you something. Who is Jesus to you? Is He who He says He is? Is He? He's the first and last, the beginning and the end. He's the keeper of creation, the creator of all. He's the architect of the universe and the manager of all times. He always was. He always is. He always will be unmoved, unchanged, undefeated, never undone. He was bruised and brought healing. He was pierced and eased pain. He was persecuted and brought freedom. He was dead, brought life. He is risen and brings power. He reigns and brings peace. The world can't understand Him. The armies can't defeat Him. The schools can't explain Him. And the leaders can't ignore Him. Herod couldn't kill Him. 
Pharisees couldn't confuse him. The people couldn't hold him. Nero couldn't crush him. Hitler can't silence him, couldn't silence him. The New Age can't replace him. And talk shows can't explain him away. He is light, love, longevity, and Lord. He is goodness, kindness, gentleness, and God. He is holy, righteous, mighty, powerful, and pure. His ways are right. His word is eternal. His will is unchanging. His mind is on you and me. He is my redeemer. He's my savior. He's my guide. He's my peace. He's my joy, my comfort, my Lord. He rules my life. I serve Him because His bond is love. His burden is light. His goal for me is abundant life. I follow Him because He's the wisdom of the wise, the power of the powerful, the ancient of days, the ruler of rulers, the leader of leaders, the overseer of overcomers, and the sovereign Lord of all that was and is and is to come. And if that seems impressive to you, try this on for size. His goal is a relationship with you and me. He'll never leave me, forsake me, mislead me, never forget me, never overlook me, never cancel my appointment in his appointment book. When I fall, he lifts me up. When I fail, he forgives. When I'm weak, he is strong. When I'm lost, he's the way. When I'm afraid, he's my courage. When I stumble, he steadies me. When I'm hurt, he heals me. When I'm broken, he mends me. When I'm blind, he leads me. When I'm hungry, he feeds me. When I face trials, he is with me. When I face persecution, he shields me. When I face problems, problems. He comforts me when I face loss. He provides for me when I face death. He carries me home. He's everything for everybody, everywhere, every time, and every way. He is God. He is faithful. I am His. He is mine. My Father in heaven has whipped the God of this world. So if you're wondering why I feel so secure, you need to understand this. He said it. That settles it. God is in control. I'm on His side. That means all is well within my soul. Every day is a blessing for God is. He's my source of existence and Savior. He keeps me functioning each and every day. Without Him, I will be nothing. Without Him, I am nothing. But with Him, I can do all things. An ordinary person like you and me, is who God likes to use. <laughs> God deliberately seeks out the weak things and the despised things of the world in 1 Corinthians 1, 26. Then, and then everybody knows it's only God who can do that. How do you handle what's going on in life? Because you have Jesus in your life. You need to remember who He is. You need to remember what He does for you. Which leads me to the supply of Christian's ability. Paul said, who strengthens me. It's a participle in the Greek, which means to pour strength into, like he would pour milk into a pitcher or water into a glass or coffee into a cup. It's something that's empty that God pours strength into. You're the vessel. I'm the vessel. We're the empty ones. He pours his strength in us. The picture of the believer facing the problems of life hopeless and helpless. And in that situation, he pours his strength into the believer's life. Years ago, in the Rose Parade, Tournament of Roses Parade on January 1st, as the parade was going, all of a sudden it stopped. A float had run out of gas. 
and it was stuck there until someone brought a can of gasoline and put in the float and got it going again. But the funny thing is, is that float was sponsored and had on the side of it the Standard Oil Company. <laughs> All of their vast resources, and they run out of gas. Folks, a lot of Christians neglect their spiritual maintenance. You are clothed with the power of God in your life. And listen to me, when you face the absolute worst thing that will ever happen to you, when you're in the middle of the worst, darkest moment of your life, you need to remember that Jesus is greater, He is stronger, He is better, He is enough, and He will be and will provide all the strength that you need. When you have cancer, Jesus will be your strength. When you lose your job, Jesus will be your strength. When your spouse dies, Jesus will be your strength. When your child rebels, Jesus will be your strength. When a friend betrays you, Jesus will be your strength. He's greater than the worst thing that will ever happen to you, and He will give you strength not just to grit your teeth and survive it, but to have a peace and a presence and a contentment in the midst of it, no matter what it is coming at you. No matter what you're going through or going to face, you can know that the peace that Paul said surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. But you have to be in Him. Joining a church won't do it. Trust me, I know. Being a religious person won't do it. Trust me, I know. Having Christian parents and grandparents won't do it. Marilyn Bader of Salt Lake City, she said, I know Bible metaphors are sometimes lost on children. A metaphor is when, you know, something, we use the terminology, it doesn't mean that. Like, I ask Jesus into my heart. doesn't mean Jesus is in my heart. But children don't understand metaphors when they're young. That's why you have to be careful that you don't speak in ways that they would go, ooh, like being washed in the blood. They don't, they don't get that part. You understand? So she said, I, I know Bible metaphors are sometimes lost on children, but I temporarily forgot when my three-year-old volunteered during lunch, I got Jesus in my heart. That's great, I said. It makes me happy to know you love Jesus like Daddy and I do. He took a few more bites of his peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and he said, does Daddy got Jesus in his heart? Of course he does. I thought so, he said. And then a cloud passed over his normally cheerfully, cheerful face. He climbed down out of the chair, and he came over to my side and looked in my face and said, I wish Jesus was in your heart too. What had I done to make him think I wasn't a Christian? I ran down a mental checklist of all the possible transgressions. Did I scold him unjustly? Did I yell at him or ignore his needs? But I couldn't think of a thing. And trying to sound as natural as possible, I said, why do you think Jesus isn't in my heart? His big brown eyes shifted to my abdomen then in the eighth month of pregnancy. He said, well, Mom, that baby's getting so big, there's no room for anyone else in there. 
Have you allowed other things in your life to prevent Jesus from being there? You see, you can know all of the jargon, all the religious language, all of the choreography that we have, when to stand up, wake up, shut up, get up and go. But if you don't know Jesus, you don't have what it's going to take to go through whatever life brings you. Just like Paul said, I've been in every situation you can imagine. I've gone through a lot of pain and sorrow and grief and hurt. And even now, he's sitting in jail. How do you go through something like that? Only when you have Jesus in your life. He said, I could not do what I'm doing unless Jesus gave me the strength to go through, to handle, to survive. I wish I could tell you that when you follow Jesus, all of your circumstances would be perfect. You hear testimonies about how bad life was, and then I found Jesus, and now my wife is the perfect wife, and I've got plenty of money, and I've got plenty of this, and I'm in perfect health, and we're in a cursed world. We're on a world that's sinking deep in sin. And Jesus came to rescue us. And only when you place your trust in Him, it's by faith, it's by trust. The only, Hebrews 11, the only way to please God is through faith. I believe you, God. I believe you paid for my sin. I believe Jesus lived a sinless life. I believe He died on the cross. You put on my sin and the sin of the world, and you died, and you rose again, and He's seated at the right hand of God. And when we place our trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit indwells this void that's been there all your life. And then your Holy Spirit brings you peace and brings you direction with your mind and your emotions and will and guides you through life. And when you still get sick, have you noticed everybody gets out of the world the same way? The only way out of this world, unless Jesus returns, is you're going to die. Even if God heals you temporarily, you're still going to die. but you don't die alone. And immediately you step into the presence of Jesus. And one of these days we're going to get a new body that won't ever die. But if you don't know Jesus, I, I, I sometimes just want to shake people and say, do you not understand that religion doesn't do anything but make you miserable? But when you have a relationship with Jesus, sets you free from all the legalism. It sets you free from all the trying to get to God. He saves you to the uttermost. Would you pray with me? Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. 